0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutras here. I still got a little crud residue. The voice isn't 100%, but the good news is I came back from New York Comic Con not only with goodies, but also uh, t- a lot of great interviews at two D.C. animated press junkets. It was a great time and uh, really good uh, interviews. I'm really excited, too, because I just happened to be placed next to uh, the people that we talked to. So I got great sound because uh, there's no soundboard to, like, click into. There's no microphones. Literally, it's a roundtable of reporters, and everybody's got their portable devices. So, you know, you're as good as your, uh, your portable device and as close as you can get to the person that we're talking to. But uh, first up, we're going to uh, talk to uh, the director and uh, two of the cast members of Justice League Dark. Jay Oliva, the director, who, man, is he on a tear. If you really look at a lot of the credits of uh, the last uh, couple years of DC animated films, Jay Oliva is usually the guy. And not only that, uh, as far as directors goes, not only that, but he is also a great uh, first unit and second unit director for live action films and the TV shows, uh, and really sets up a lot of the great action sequences that we've been getting in some of the better productions. So uh, it's great, and a lot of interesting insight from Jay Oliva. We also talked to Batman himself, Jason O'Mara, Uh, who gives us a great conversation, and Constantine himself, Matt Ryan. Isn't it great that uh, that NBC show, while it didn't work out, that enough of us love Matt Ryan so much as John Constantine, that any chance Warner Brothers has to use him, they do. It was great seeing him in Arrow last year. And now in this animated film, uh, he plays uh, John Constantine. It's amazing. Uh, So uh, we're going to start off with those three interviews. Then we're going to talk to some pretty amazing behind-the-scenes people uh, for the great film Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, and that will include James Tucker, who also is on these Justice League dark interviews and it's uh, great to hear from him. I'm a big fan of James's. Uh, he's been on word Balloon before and is uh, was behind the Batman Brave and Bold series and has kind of been as I keep describing him the twenty first century Bruce Tim because every ever since Bruce Tim has stepped down, James has kind of been that lead supervising producer. And uh, I think he's a great writer, and I think he's uh, a great uh, producer that puts together these amazing productions. You're going to hear from Rick Morales, the director of the film, and uh, unfortunately only one cast member, but what a cast member, Adam West himself. Uh, What an exciting thing for me to be right next to Adam West. And uh, he even uh, looks at me uh, (laughs) during many of his uh, answers to a lot of questions. And uh, right at the top, and I'll talk about it before the intro, uh, we have an exchange, and you can hear it very clearly. And I got to make them laugh, so that really certainly made my day. I mean, I got to tell you, man, guys like Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Adam West, Robert Vaughn, the man from UNCLE. I mean, these are my my real heroes when I was five years old and watching these reruns because they were pretty brand-new reruns when I was a very little kid. So uh, to get to meet these people in the, in the last 25 years has, has really been fun between doing the podcast and also doing radio. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. And uh, finally, I can uh, cross Adam West off the bucket list because uh, you know, we had one encounter about seven or eight years ago at a convention in an elevator. And I think I've talked about it before. We were in a, uh, an elevator. At, we were all staying at the same hotel. It was one of the uh, conventions in Orlando. It was not Megacon. Uh, the FXCon, actually, where I uh, first really got to know uh, Mark Hammond, Brother Bear, uh, if you know your, uh, oh, yeah, comics uh, crew. Uh, the manager and uh, part owner of uh, All Comics and the guy who runs the store in Harrison, uh, New York. Uh, Well, anyway, uh, Adam West and I are, just the two of us, in an elevator. It is moving freight elevator slow, and it really does sound like it's going to break any minute. And in that amazing Adam West voice, he goes, Gee, I really hope we make it to the bottom. You know, uh, I was on this thing last night, and I I thought it was going to break a couple times. And I said, don't worry, Cape Crusader, we're going to make it to the bottom. And he smirked and kind of laughed, and he said, thank you, citizen. So that was a great moment. And immediately his manager was waiting, come on, Adam, we got to go. So I, he got pulled away. He's like, nice meeting you. And I'm like, nice meeting you. And that was it. So uh, it's great to finally be able to uh, have a moment with Adam West uh, in a in a professional, I'm putting air quotes up, capacity as a reporter and uh, an interviewee. But uh, it was great. So that's a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy what you hear. Really interesting insight from the casting crew of uh, both of these films, uh, both Jason O'Mara. And um, so really good time. I hope you'll enjoy uh, today's uh, interviews on Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Remember, Word Balloon is free. But if you want to help the cause, uh, please uh, come to wordballoon.com and uh, click on uh, the Patreon ad over there. You can watch the videos that I've done. And really, if you can afford a couple dollars a month, that's terrific. Think about the hours of entertainment that Word Balloon uh, brings you every month of uh, Geek World content. And, uh, you know, can you spare the price of a comic book? Can you spare a dollar? Uh, if you can, well, I certainly do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Lee, for your support. You helped me get to the conventions and make the connections uh, for some of these great interviews that I'm able to bring you each month. Word Balloon is also brought to you by Trades at InStockTrades.com. And given we're talking about uh, the subjects that we are as far as the cartoons, let's look at things like some of the Batman 66 collections. You can find a lot of the volumes of Batman 66 written by the great Jeff Parker. Tom Pyre has written a few of these great stories as well. Amazing art from people like Jonathan Case, Ty Templeton, uh, some of the other great artists that have been involved. Kevin Smith has even been involved uh, with, and Ralph, uh, Ralph Garman, on uh, things like Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Uh, Great stuff, man. And uh, these books range from as uh, reasonably priced as uh, $8.24 to $12.64. And just like this animated film, Return of the Cape Crusader, you know, the budget is endless because it's just, you know, paper. So it's a great opportunity to uh, really see uh, uh, the 66 Batman in some wonderful situations that just didn't happen on the television show because of, you know, budget restrictions and stuff. So, uh check out some of the Batman 66 stuff. Just like that, uh Justice League Dark is also available. A lot of the great trade paperbacks uh from the first uh, arc from Peter Milligan and uh Michael uh that is 45% off. It's just $8.24 to stuff from uh, Jeff Lemire and Jeff Johns and J.M. DeMattis at prices ranging uh, from $9.34 uh, to that, again, $8.24 range. So there's really great product of uh, Justice League Dark and Batman 66 waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more great books waiting at prices you won't believe. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. So before we start, let me uh, reestablish the kind of parameters we're dealing with here. Big room, lots of roundtables, usually about 8 to 10 reporters at each roundtable, and um, you get the uh, guest for about uh, 10 to 12, maybe sometimes 13 minutes, never 15, uh, God forbid. But, uh, you know, and you shoot questions at them real fast. I mean, I'm used to this from uh, sports roundtable kind of interviews and those kinds of situations. And it's very interesting because you'll only hear a couple of voices really asking questions. Not a lot. I mean, some people are just very content to get whatever the table comes up with uh, as far as questions goes. As far as I was concerned, hey, man, I'm going to ask as many questions as I can think of. I don't want to be a hog, but by the same token, I don't want any dead silence either. Uh, So uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I was very lucky to be sitting through the Justice League Dark interviews directly next to the interviewee. So Jason, Matt, James, and Jay are all very clear, very clean. But, you know, you're going to hear some uh, background noise because other conversations are going on at other tables and stuff. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, start things off with Jason O'Mara himself, Batman, who's been playing Batman in all these DC animated films that have been following that new 52 continuity that started with Justice League War. And uh, he's back again now uh, with a whole new uh, cast of Supernatural Heroes in Justice League Dark. Here's Jason O'Mara, now on Word Balloon. How you
1: doing? I'm doing good. How you guys? All right? Excellent, man. This yeah. is what, day two, day three? Day three. Day three. <laughs> day three. So we're starting to <laughs> lag a little bit. Slow calm. down. Yeah. Brain's disintegrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I get it.
2: Jason, can I ask you what you feel? Your, how about your Batman is different from other Batman interpretations?
1: Yeah, well, as far as I can see, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the inspiration for this Batman was the new 52 series, but... um in a way the, the animated uh, movie series or at least my one is sort of going into uncharted territory now with, with, with that storyline so the way I see it is that this Batman has a very specific kind of emotional family baggage he's he's a dad he has this history with, with, with Talia um, both he and his son were trained by uh, Rosh Al Ghul and um, now in this world you know his Robin has grown up flown the coop as it were flown the cave and has become Nightwing and Nightwing's handing his mantle down to Damien and this is the same Batman who in Justice League War brought the Justice League together for the first time and now he's bringing um, this group of dark supernatural folks together in this movie. So and he's also sent Damien off to Teen Titans almost like sort of a boarding school so so this is the storyline of this Batman and I think anything outside of that dark knight, you know, I prefer to work, walk work alone. That's all that's a different Batman uh, that exists in a in a in a another universe. So um, as long as it's got to do with this this Batman storyline, I'll be the voice of it. But I think as soon as it goes outside of it, I think it's either Kevin Conroy territory, or it's a whole other a whole other thing. Sure. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. How what about putting? What was well, your reaction to the script for Justice League Dark in
3: regard to Batman's role and how it's dealing with the supernatural? Because uh, Justice League the team, the Titans dealt with that a lot too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Batman quite makes that connection between the, the magic supernatural elements in Teen Titans and, and and this kind of supernatural that's going on in Gotham. I think the one in Teen Titans was more like... Uh, I mean, he does reference to... He says, like, uh, um, someone in the movie says, this is hell, and he goes, I've been to hell, and this is nothing like it kind of thing. Um, so Batman's been around the block, is what I'm saying. But... Um, At the same time, I think he's uh, still very skeptical of the magic. Batman is based in science, he's a detective, the greatest detective who ever lived. And if it doesn't make logical sense to Batman, it doesn't exist. So, he has a really hard time getting his head around it. So, what that lends itself to is something really interesting where Batman can actually be um, kind of quite glib and and, uh, raises an eyebrow at all of this and and effectively becomes the everyman, the eyes and ears of the audience saying, you know. I don't understand any of this, and actually, I think it's just a load of nonsense, you know. And and so he has to be disproved. He has to see it for himself, and uh, and he even gets involved in quite a bit of the fights along the way. So I think it was a really interesting idea to involve Batman. I mean, I would because it gives me a job, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I I I think involving. You know, Batman, who is already the personification of darkness in a movie called Justice League Dark, seems to me to be the link between, you know, the DCU we know and love and this expanding DCU into the, the realm of the supernatural.
0: So, is the, are there a lot of first meetings with these heroes <clears throat> in the film, or are these yeah. are these people that he would call on when it's something he can't explain, or both? He there's
1: there, there's there's a suggestion that he and Z- Zatanna go back. Which in the comic books, there's a whole backstory between them. Um, so the suggestion they know already know each other, but but no, um, Batman gets in touch with Constantine through Deadman. Okay. Uh, and Deadman's introduced for the first time. I don't want to give any of that away, but that's pretty cool. You know, we're seeing Swamp Thing for the first time, or at least in this universe. So. Yeah, there are a lot, of, a lot of firsts in this movie and it's the first time we see this very disparate group work together and you know Batman as always is trying to get people to work together as a team. Uh, not always successfully.
4: But in terms of the animation and the visuals, this is available on digital HD, we're going to get Blu-ray, what's the best way to watch it, the phone, big screen?
1: Well, I think I think big screen. I think anytime Jay Oliva uh, directs one of these, it's big screen stuff. He knows his stuff when it comes to fights, action, explosions. There's also a lot of supernatural images, you know, sort of magical smoke and uh and whatnot, so a mist. So, I would say watch it on the biggest screen you can. I mean, Jay is behind most of the action sequences of the live action DC movies. Uh, you know, he works with Zack Snyder and those guys on the those sequences. Is consistent. Yeah, and it's, and it's big screen stuff. You know, he, he tries to paint in big pictures, and um, I don't quite know how he does it on these budgets, but somehow he pulls it off.
4: You know, a live action in this film has been in development hell for a while now. Do you think, what's the release of this comes out we can actually okay. get the ball moving with uh, a
1: live action version? <laughs> I have no idea. You'd have to ask someone from DC that. But, I mean, my own personal feeling is, like, you, you got to establish... I don't speak on behalf of DC or Warner Brothers when I say this, but I think you have to establish like the Justice League for the first time, coming together. My own opinion, I think Suicide Squad should come after that, not before, and then you expand it into Justice League Dark. Once, you know, we understand Batman, Superman, and and the other Justice League characters, then you can kind of subvert it, you know? That's my take on it, but I mean, what do I know? I'm a voice actor right now. Do you have a live
0: action character that you'd like
1: to play? A DC live yeah. action character? Yeah. yeah, I want to play Batman. <laughs> of
0: would be fine, obviously.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. In the anime, certainly in the comic book world, there are all these universes. And no one has any problem with that, right? There's all these mm-hmm. concurrent storylines, different artists, different writers, different versions of the Batman story, different versions of Batman and who sur- surrounds him or doesn't surround him. We're kind of getting that way with the animated series, right? Animated movies, TV shows, the Lego Batman, there's all of these kind of, you know, know, what would you call it, uh, parallel realities and, you know, I think ultimately we'll probably head that way with the movies, you know? I think there'll be a Ben Affleck Batman um, who lives in that world with the Justice League and there's plenty of room for another Batman that lives alongside him, like maybe it's an Adam West kind of, you know... um, a, what's it, a funny kind of spoofy Batman? Sure. Like why not? Well, the CW doesn't have a Batman yet, so you can definitely throw your hat in the go.
4: <laughs> plus, plus, you're in the Marvel universe too. How do you reconcile being Marvel and DC at the same time?
1: I don't have to, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you think I do? But, um, I mean, to me, it's just that. You know, comic book uh, inspired uh, content is occupying so much of the pop culture space. It's almost hard to to avoid it one way or another. You know. How did
4: you get into what was your first comic for you personally? When did you, did you read? My
1: first comic was 2008-D. At a point. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Judge, yeah. Dredd. Judge cool. Dredd and uh, Rogue Warrior. Rogue Trooper. Rogue Trooper. Like loved Rogue Trooper. Uh, God, what was the other one? Sh- it was like Strontium Dog or Island? Strontium. Yeah. Um, Then there was the the bunch of like bounty hunters. Anyway, loved it, loved it. Um, And I, of course, had had some of those early issues, like issue number two. Issue number three and
4: uh had or still had.
1: No, had. Had. <laughs> I realized when I turned, I don't know, like thirteen or something, like where where are those things gone? And they're gone and just forever gone. Goodbye. Who are your favorite artists and writers? Oh god, I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember their names. But um there was a couple of Judge Dredd uh right? Maybe. And John Wagner. Brian Bolland Bolland's amazing. Yeah, he he was kind of he became it for me. Like I remember reading a Brian Bolland Judge Dredd story and I was just like, How do they do it? This. it just blew my mind the detail and... I
4: think there's a Judge Dredd opening too right what he's
0: playing in unless Carl, unless Carl Urban's coming back
1: I mean hey, Carl was Urban job. was great it great was great job. it's just I still feel like they haven't quite nailed the Judge Dredd okay very cool I think uh, I think Carl Urban is the right guy but I don't think they've nailed a Judge Dredd movie yet I want to see him anymore. They should just keep doing it until it's a smash hit <laughs> yeah but all right, let's,
0: let's go around again. Yeah. That's awesome. Running, yeah. yeah. So you were a hell of a Sam Tyler, I, I must say, back in the day. Ah, but thank you. Absolutely, maybe the best thing about the, the, that version. Thank show. you very much.
1: Absolutely absolutely. Man. Yeah, I miss that show.
5: So you were talking earlier about the, the different types of
3: Batman that are out there. You also. You're playing like the family man, there's like the buffoon Batman, there's just all types of me. Do you have a preference of Batman, especially when I see that that
5: character?
1: Well, look, I mean, uh, I've obviously, you know, grown quite close to this version, you know, where I feel like I can be dark, but also. Um, be a dad, you know, and I I, I like that balance. I, it's fun to play as an actor, um, and I feel like why bother retreading old territory when you can explore new stuff, you know? Um, so I find that cr- creatively quite quite rewarding. Um, and also, I, I really like the idea that Batman can uh, be funny, you know, and it doesn't have to be lampoon wacky. You know, underpants on the outside of my tights, funny, but you know, I like that he's got a, a sense of humor and uh I like that. I think that part of the DCU really lives and thrives when it's when it's tongue in cheek, you know. You. And um, I really liked, it. and particularly about Justice League Dark, because there's, there's a sense of humor that Batman has running throughout, you know, which was really fun. Sure. So more of that, please. Cool. <laughs> Thank Thanks, guys. Really Thank nice. You. Keep video. it up, man.
0: That's Jason O'Mara, and I know some of you might have been uh, asking yourselves, how come you didn't talk more about his role as uh, Jeff Mason, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, we talked a little bit about it. The PR people at these press junkets, and sometimes it gets a little frustrating, they're very, very focused on you talking only about the movie at hand or the project at hand. And uh, they can get a little militant about that. So uh, you do kind of have to watch it, and you don't want to wind up uh, you know, getting them angry because then maybe you won't be invited to the next press junket. So uh, you pick your battles, and uh, I, I had to drop in my love for uh, Jason's uh, portrayal of Sam Tyler on uh, The American Life on Mars, if you're not aware of it. The British show is a better show, but uh, Jason in particular Really did an amazing job on that show. And uh, it's, a, it's a great, slightly science fiction-y show in that, uh, you know, a modern-day cop wakes up and finds himself back in 1973 and not exactly sure how he wound up back there. And I thought uh, Jason did a great job on that, the American version of Life on Mars. So, uh, you'll, uh, you know, again, some of these uh, guys are willing to talk beyond uh, the current project, and you'll get that. Uh, but it's kind of up to the star, and uh, you get what you can take. Anyway, moving on, now let's uh, talk to Jay Oliva, the wonderful director of Justice League Dark. And, uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns, the wonderful adaptation of that. So many of the great DC animated films have been uh, directed by Jay. And also, as I mentioned earlier, and he talks about it too, he is used as a first and second unit director doing a lot of action sequences for the television shows and the live action films in addition to the animated films. So uh, great to talk to Jay Oliva now on Word Balloon.
6: Okay, guys. I'm a little sick, so my voice is a little bit off. So, (laughs) it's a cold
4: flu or was it before? Oh, no,
6: it was uh, like about a week and a half ago. I'm I'm good now, but like my voice just tends to go, especially since I've been talking all day. So, who wants to go first?
0: Tell us about the challenge, or what you wanted to bring to this movie, obviously versus Um, the other so far.
6: I think this movie, uh, what was great is that we were dealing with a different kind of team, uh, and also I wanted to do like a horror film more than more than just a usual superhero film. I mean, it's still a still an action film, but I wanted to have like horror elements and kind of really play up the supernatural aspect. Um, The other thing was also like, how do I. Like, with what I... I mean, if you've seen my films, I usually have really highly choreographed fight sequences and stuff. And and now I was thinking, like, now, what do I do with that now but with the magic aspect? And so I kind of looked at all of my... Like, I love... Final Fantasy and video games and anime. So I looked at all of my references and thought, okay, now this is what they did. Now how do I bring that into the DC universe to do something really different that's pushed, you know, that that you know maybe DC fans had never seen before, at least not in this context, and try to like bring that to what with these characters. Which because with magic anything goes, which is great. It's a little bit freeing, you know. I don't have to worry about that. Can Superman breathe in space? You know, like, I don't have to worry about that stuff. So now it's just a matter of like, you know, you know, demons and and mystical magical stuff, just like and just have fun with it, which is the, the, the kind of freeing aspect of it.
0: Were there specific members of the team that you wanted to Oh
6: yeah, I mean, I loved all, all of them. I loved all of them. I mean, one of the, when they first asked me, when they first gave me the script, they're like, oh, they said, hey, you can just leave Dark because I don't know what I'm working on from, you know, uh, they just give it to me and I, I just happen to be the one that, that gets assigned it. Um, they, the first question was, is Swamp Thing in it? And they're like yes. I was like awesome. And the second thing was uh, is Constantine in it. And they're like yes. And I was. And then the third thing I asked is can I get Matt Ryan to do it? And because uh, I love Constantine, I always. I mean, I never thought we'd ever be able to put Constantine into um, the into our animated stuff. Um, and this was a perfect vehicle to, to kind of get him in there. And it was great. I mean, if you see the film, when you finally see the film, he like steals the show. He's like, yeah, it, he just fits so easily into this DC universe. Um, and I'm hoping that like you know, we can do future films with like you know like Constantine and, and Batman or Constantine and Batwoman or something. Or just have more team-ups. I think that'd be kind of a fun kind of thing, you know? Uh,
3: is there, does the film kind of, uh, how does the film concern Zatanna? And is there any, uh, does it touch on any history between her Yeah,
6: I mean, men? of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, of of all the, like, for example, the way the movie starts off is that there's these kind of supernatural events that happen around the world. And the Justice League are kind of uh, confounded in the sense that they don't know. They're like, okay, this doesn't look like an alien uh attack. It doesn't seem like it's some kind of like mind control from from some super villain. We can't figure out what it is, and Batman's like, I have an idea, but uh, let me check my sources. But what happens is that he he's a little skeptical of what it is, and then and then he ends up seeing like he gets out of the shower, and like Constantine's name is written all over the those walls, you know, and and so he's like, who is Constantine? So then he's like, okay, I only know one person that of the supernatural stuff, Zatanna. So. He goes to see Zatanna she's like do you know who this Constantine is and Zatanna's like oh yeah I know. All right. we've got history and so Zatanna then brings them into this kind of supernatural world that of course you know Batman is a skeptic so I try to play up Batman as kind of like a Mulder Scully kind of thing you know like X-Files where Batman is a skeptic and Constantine is the believer and and a lot of times Constantine is like look there's demons there's all look there's hell and Batman's like I think I can explain this scientifically there's a reason I can you know but I like the fact that, you know, uh, this movie kind of really validates why there's a Justice League dark team, why you need to have a a team of of, of heroes who handle things that the Justice League can't handle. And one of the things I wanted to try to do, at least in terms of the the action and the kind of what's at stake, the drama, was that if the Justice League, the regular Justice League were to tackle the problems that, that that our team is handling, they would have failed. And, and it's only the fact that the, the, this team that gets brought together that they're able to save the day. And that way, you kind of... Because I always thought that East and West Coast Avengers was kind of, like, redundant. Like, why do you need a West Coast when you've got, like, everybody on the East Coast? Like, the Hulk's there and Captain America. Like, do we really need Hawkeye on that West Coast? But, like, for this, you realize that, you know, there's two different things. Like, alien threats, Justice League. You know, Darkseid shows up, cool. But when anything supernatural that's going to basically take everybody's soul, you go the route with Constantine and those guys, you know? And was, I thought that was a really good Kind of so Talk about
4: the, the color palette, the yeah.
6: visualization, because Jason said that there was a good balance between the live action and the animation in terms of keeping a consistent look. Is that yeah. something that's very important for you? Oh yeah, I mean the thing is we still try to keep it grounded into the universe that we started with Justice League War and Son of Batman and all that stuff. But because we're dealing with a more fantastical kind of thing, um, we tend to go we can push it more. Like I mean I know we did Justice League versus Titans, which we had Trigon and kind of had hell there. But in this one, I wanted to try to really push it even more so where it was different than what you saw in in that previous film where this was even more like it was it was what you saw with Trigon but pushed to the 10th degree you know and so I wanted to really push the magic side and the kind of idea behind how magic works in the DC universe you know and that's one of the things I wanted to try to do both in color palette and also visually like how it is Uh, and also uh, we do some really crazy things Um, like I said we want to do a horror film so I want to do really like where you go into like somebody's mind and what does that look like and, and, and really like stuff it's just so over the top crazy that you're just like I'm so glad I do not live in this universe because it is just the worst place ever to live in so better um, to watch on a big TV screen instead of the phone oh yeah camera? oh yeah totally totally um, plus we mix it in like you know Dolby digital what's surround sound you great. want to get like all the scares It's like the best surround sound element of this that you could tease us uh, um, everything's good wait I mean the act the end fight is like crazy like I can't tell you because it's going to be it's a big secret, but it's 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 like subwoofer challenge. Yeah, you'll see a lot of low end sound. I mean, the great thing is that um, our um, the music that we had um, our composer was the same composer who did Angel, the Angel TV series. Oh, sure. And so when I told him, Rob, I told uh, Rob Kroll, I told Rob, I want can I get some cellos because I love their yeah. Angel oh, Angel yes. theme. And I told him like I want this kind of really dark, kind of very uh, uh, serious tone to it, like from the music end, because I want it to feel like you're kind of like in in that what same the, kind of like world. Yeah, kind of the horror spin thing. on it. Exactly, yeah.
0: Any good visual opportunities with dead man inhabiting other oh, yeah, people's of course. bodies? Yeah, that's you see I'm, that all the time. Okay, so you're yeah. gonna yeah. put yeah. your own spin on it. Yeah obviously. you're gonna
6: you're gonna see that it happens a lot. So right. you'll see you'll see that. I mean all the characters we try to utilize as much as we could, like all the classic stuff as well as some new things that you haven't seen before. But yeah, you'll cool. see that.
3: Very Earlier cool. you were talking about the challenge of uh, you know staging the sorcery in, in, in combat scenes and the references you were going back to uh-huh. Were there uh, things that you found especially useful for inspiration
6: for all that? Uh, well, like I said, like it's all the video game stuff, like Full Metal Alchemist, I love, and uh, uh, a lot of anime that I watched. Uh, and uh, I do a lot of references, you know. Like I said, I like watch Harry Potter and try to see what they did. I watch, I t- watch a ton of movies, live action and animated stuff, and I try to take little bits and pieces that I like, you know. And then as, as well as like add my own kind of spin to it to kind of make it my own and make it fit into the universe. Um, so there's, that always happens with any of my films. I try to do as much references as can and try to bring something new, because if I don't bring anything new, then why am I doing it? So uh, I have to always try to push it. Even like what I've done in the past, I'm like, okay, now how do I push this further?
0: is it easier and more affordable now to do in the animation style mm-hmm. uh, a very similar live action feel do you think I mean is is the it, you know the technology is getting um, more affordable so you I guys mean, can do it I, I
6: mean, don't know if you guys know this but I do the live action films too so sure. the, the staging that I do for my animated films and my live action is exactly the same like okay. I did the Flash TV show I did like, yeah. I did Batman v Superman oh, yeah, yeah. and Man of Steel exactly the same it's okay. just more money and more time you know mm-hmm. um, but the nice thing though is that with both me you know, I get to really kind of push it. Like they they like, I get the freedom to really um, kind of make it my own. Like for example, Flashpoint Paradox. Um, My mandate when I started that was like if they ever did a live action film with Barry Allen, I want them to look at this as reference. You know, because and that's why I really pushed like Barry's powers, how we shot it, a little bit more live action, like visually. Absolutely. And it was great because then they ended up pitching that to CW and that's how the CW show got picked up. Um, So that's what I, and I even talked to Jeff Johns and he said like, yeah, the animation division that we, we do is kind of a R&D they do it as a testing ground sure proof of concept see, yeah absolutely so um, I'm very excited about you know with, with this film hopefully I'll get to work on the Doug Lyman Just oh, really the Dark uh, but you know uh, it's nice to kind of experiment try something new and, and not have to be like oh you have to follow this or follow sure. that you know because for me it's like you know when I'm the director I, I, I look at what's done in the past I see what Bruce Tim and James and all those guys have done in the past movies and past TV series and then I'm like okay now what do I bring to the table absolutely what can not. I do?
4: You said that um, they kind of use the animation to test uh, live yeah. action ideas. Was that true with like uh, Assault on Arkham? Oh, of
6: course. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, the fact that Assault on Arkham was so well received, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty. That was a pretty good, uh, for them to say, hey, we should we should try a Suicide Squad movie, you know. So I'm pretty sure that was what they were doing. Which is not really true to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, you, you did a great job. Absolutely. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I uh, hopefully we can do a, a sequel to that because I had an idea yeah, to do for film part two but uh but yeah i don't know we'll see
4: tone wise is this movie darker than assault on
6: arkham uh no i think assault on arkham is pretty dark because we had to base it on the video game universe so it has a very different tone this is this is like what we've done in the past but like i said there's a horror aspect so it's not for children i mean we we made it very very adult because i want to be true to the genre of the horror films uh but uh but I like it because it's a mystery, uh, as opposed to the other ones where it's like, here's a threat, we have to f- figure a way to stop it. Now it's a, it's a mystery, like, I mean, what is exactly happening and how do we solve it? And that's how we get introduced to all the different characters. And actually, all the characters have different arcs, from Zatanna to Jason Blood to everybody. They all have arcs that all kind of uh, kind of tie together at the end. Okay, I got to go? Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks, thanks a lot, man.
0: Okay, next up is uh, James Tucker, the supervising producer. A boring title, but really when you think about it, James is involved in pretty much all of these productions. And uh, not only the DC Universe stuff, but uh, I always give it up to him for his great Scooby-Doo movies. He uh, did that uh, great movie about the Blue Falcon at a comic convention. And uh, that was really great. And if you haven't seen it, look up Scooby-Doo and uh, Blue Falcon, and and you'll find the one that I'm talking about. But uh, he and Mike Jelenic... Uh, we're also behind uh, Batman Brave and Bold, and we talk a little bit about the differences between that, I think, later on in the uh, Return of the Cape Crusader uh, interview, which was a, a couple days before. But uh, here he's talking about Justice League Dark and uh, his influences. So uh, it's great to hear James Tucker uh, not only talk about the film, but he's one of those guys that can talk big picture about DC animation and the directions they may want to go. So uh, let's listen to James Tucker now on Word Balloon. <laughs> I give you James Tucker, our producer? Hello. Oh, hello hello, hello,
7: hello, 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 I'll try to make it fresh. <laughs> how did you try to make this movie fresh? Uh, how did I try to make this movie fresh? I tried to bring in characters who we hadn't seen before a lot of, and um, tried to give it a spin where it wasn't the usual Um, rhythm of a normal superhero movie. So the pacing's a little different. It's action-packed, but it's a little quirkier than a normal Justice League would be.
2: Was there a process because of the live-action project, wherever went the dissolution of a this concept? Was it before that, during that, immediately after it?
7: Um, there was buzz about it? that happening, but it kind of was a maybe. It was more of a rumor when we started. No, you know, uh, I think Del Toro was attached to it yep, for a while, but we hadn't heard anything on it. And and Home Video expressed an interest. And um, I knew there was a movie we could do, and I knew that it could be something that. That wouldn't be stepping on the toes of any live action thing because there's so many different ways you can go with that title. So we knew of the potential for that movie but it wasn't a reality when we started.
4: Uh, was there a character, like that you wanted to see coming on the first time that you were most excited about?
7: Mainly Swamp Thing, just because he hasn't been in animation for a long, long time, and we always wanted him in. Uh, first, the original Justice League show that I worked on, and then Brave and the Bold, we wanted him, and so his rights were always tied up until recently. And so, when they became available, we jumped on it. So. He's the main one. I mean, I like the Spectre too, but we've done some things with him. Is the Spectre, I'm sorry, is he in it? I He's not know. in it no.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering if there was any uh, inspiration from that Spectre short that you guys did oh, a couple yeah, of years ago. Good.
7: Well, just that that
0: was pretty
7: much a straight horror yeah. tone. Yeah. And I wanted to keep that tone with this. Nice. And, and you know, they don't necessarily have to be in the same continuity, but sure. they could be. So, I mean, hopefully if this sells well and we get to do another one, I get to use the Spectre for that. that great. So that, that's my goal. Working on... Brave and, the Bold and Just League Dark, do you have a specific
4: tone that you'd like to work with specifically, whether it's
7: comedy or drama? You know, I get bored fast, so I like all kinds of tones. I don't like our movies to, I don't like to make the same movie after, you know, like when I, so I want the tone to be different. I mean, the, the tone in Just League versus Teen Titans was a little more, there were occult elements, but it wasn't horror. Um, whereas this is straight up horror. And uh, so, I want each, and the next one that'll follow have a different tone, so sure, sure. just to keep keep it fresh, keep me in, uh, from getting bored, basically. Yeah, so.
4: It also applies to the visual palette. I mean, there's been consistency between live and animated and do. You have your own sense of like well, you want these things to overlap or be different. For the
7: for our line, Phil Barras is the designer, so the thing you know the characters generally, you know, he and I work together to um, to tweak. You know, if it's going to be hard, then it's usually more streamlined technical look may not work so you know I just kind of try to put nudge him toward maybe things he wouldn't necessarily draw and he really takes to that um, as an artist. Um, our, we change the color palette for different tone movies so this palette's a little darker um, definitely more geared toward horror so the, the you know the palette is a little more desaturated the blood is very vivid you know that more of a hammer movie kind of take so um, you know we do those things in production just you know the form follows function. So if um, um, if we want it to be a certain kind of movie, that dictates how. Just like I did this movie around the same time I was doing Return of the uh, Cape Crusaders, and that's a whole other. <laughs> you know, so it was uh, being able to juggle that takes uh, some concentration.
4: Would you rather watch it on the big screen?
7: This one, yeah. dark? Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it holds up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As an old comic reader, you know, did you look back at those uh, good runs of the DC horror stuff? Uh, Old?
5: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As a reader
0: reader (laughs) of old comics. (laughs) comics. There you go. All Well done. (laughs) Yes.
7: Well, no, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up on the original Swamp Thing and and those House of Secrets and all that, Um, and horror movies. Sure. I didn't really, we didn't read so much of the, the, the actual book because totally that book was a little more, um, it was very interesting, but it was very internal. Like, you, it was more about concepts and not really concrete visual things that you could show um, in a linear kind of visual fashion. So, um, even though it was a comic book. So, um, yeah, we, you know, there's elements of, in this one I think is, tonally I went in thinking it should feel more like an our, you know, Dario Argento movie. Yeah, I wanted awesome. that kind of phrase. It's not like universal horror. It's very that queasy, I don't know why this is weird, and, but it's weird kind of thing, even with the music palette a little bit. So.
3: You were talking about just trying new things. You also mentioned you have swapped things. What exactly has not really been done with Justice League? Would you like to see
7: done? I'm sorry, I missed the last part.
3: What would you like to see done with Justice League that hasn't really been done before? Oh, God. Or any of its characters? Um,
7: I, you know, the thing with Justice League is the, the trap to me is that it, it becomes just plot. Whereas with the Titans, it's more about character. Like the plot is, a, is good, but it's really about teen, teen angst. And it's, about, it's about something other than just superheroes and powers. And a lot of the writers tend to focus, when it comes to Justice League, they kind of freeze up and make it all about their powers, about the plot, who's the villain. And you don't get a lot of that interpersonal stuff. That, you know, it took us a while even on the series to get to that. I mean, it wasn't really until Justice League Unlimited that we were able to, to find the little nuances of character that made that show, I think, really good, eventually. It didn't start out that way, though. Um, So I'd love to be able to take a Justice League, and to do it, I'd really need a Netflix kind of situation where you have a lot of episodes to tell a sprawling, character-driven story. And so, you know, whereas a show like, to me, Young Justice kind of has achieved that um, because it's very arced out, and uh, I think you need that much real estate to do that kind of story. And I think Justice League... is a prime, you know, it's, it's fodder for that. It would be great to do something like that. With the movies... I would like to do more of an anthology thing with them, where you break each character's story down, and maybe kind of like they did with Emerald Knights, the DVD, where it was about it was short stories under an umbrella of a Green Lantern Corps story. Just so we can explore, because I mean, you know, we've done several uh, Justice Leagues, but Wonder Woman hasn't gotten a lot of love, and I'd love to get to deal more with this version of her and see what makes her tick. So, just finding the time and the. the film real estate to tell certain stories. There's evidently a rumor about this film uh, getting an R rating
3: from the MPAA. Uh, Do you have a comment on that? No. uh, In in, in, in regard to this subject, do you really think it matters for these films?
7: Um, You know, I never go in thinking, oh, this will get this or this. You know, there's movies that I've stumbled into R on by accident because I was just making the movie I thought was naturally fitting with what the script was you know we don't go out to be sensational or or try to get certain things we just tell a good story, and a lot of things are in the comics that you know we read all the time that we don't think of as being that harsh because we're just used to it being in comics, and then you know, lo and behold, it could be too much for a DVD. So um, I have no comment on the on, on that rumor.
4: Fair enough. Jay so. mentioned the the emphasis of
3: make um, difference fair. between having the Justice League and why they need the Justice League Dark. Like how much?
4: episode you guys say you put into, like, from the beginning, was that always, like, a big, was that, like, a big point, like, um, to establish the differences between the two?
7: Sort of. I mean, it's not, like, the main plot of the movie, because Justice League doesn't know they're in over their heads at first. Um, the, do they, how much do they appear? Do they other than that? They appear, I'd say, about... Ten percent? Oh, really? So the cast? I'm not great at math, so maybe that might be a little more or less than what they. Yeah, there okay, it is. Yeah. Okay. No, no, we we give you a legitimate Justice League oh, okay. before we turn the table over on you. So yeah. Um, so they have appearances, but uh, the main stories with the other
0: characters. Sure, sure. All right. Thanks Thank, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, from this Justice League Dark production, we've got John Constantine himself, Matt Ryan. Man, this guy is so infectious with his energy and enthusiasm. You can't help but like the guy. And you'll know right away what I'm talking about. And he's got great ideas. And I certainly hope the writers pick his brain because he would love to see Constantine not only face uh, the people that uh, show up in Justice League Dark and maybe see another movie with these guys, but uh, he's got great ideas for other uh, matchups with the Justice League Dark crew and specifically Constantine. But I'll let you hear it from Matt himself. Here is uh, Matt Ryan, John Constantine on Word Balloon.
5: There you go,
3: Matt right. Ryan. Come on over here. Hey, hey guys, how's, how's going? it going? You all good. good?
2: Excellent.
8: Great. Okay. i <sighs> back. Welcome. I've got one of those, man. I've got the, uh, the yeah, it's cool. I went on this zip, zip like zip line thing and stuck it to my head. And, uh, it's Pretty
5: cool, yeah. It's awesome.
8: Yeah, and I and I, I ride a motorcycle as well. I'm not, like, I'm gonna get get it put on my head as well. But is that the, the, the like 4K one?
4: No, it's uh, it's a little bit older.
8: <laughs> right. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, they, they're good. I can't even believe they can you get a 4K camera and like that. It's crazy. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> guys,
3: colors, How did you feel yeah. you had to adapt
2: the character that you created for
8: live action to the animated? Uh, I think the DNA of the character is very much the same, you know, um, I think they're the most the most challenging thing about it and also kind of one of the most freeing things about it is you know doing something where you're not interacting with anyone you know you kind of got to make that up in your head but what's freeing about it in a way is you know you get to cast it in your head and play with those people in your head you know which is really cool but then you don't get the benefit of actually working alongside someone and and maybe getting something from that person which which you wouldn't get from yourself you know so there was those different kind of challenges but uh Ultimately I think the DNA of the character is the same and I kind of wanted to bring what I knew of Constantine and the the kind of the voice and all that sort of stuff and then you know play out this story and see him in this context with these interacting with these characters. That's great. Did you have a favorite part of the script in regard to what it called on you to do as an actor? I, I really liked. I mean, there's there's two different things here. I really liked the interaction between him and Batman. Uh, I mean, John just cracks me up, man, in some of the things he says. Like, and uh, you know, in the in, in the in the comics as well. That, that's what I love about the character so much. You know, like, oh, holy shit is coming down, and hell is coming up, and he'll come out with something like from nowhere. You know, and and the his his interaction with Batman was really funny and. and um, <laughs> I, that, that was really fun to play but also his relationship with the Zatanna because there's such an emotional history between those two and that's something you know like most all the characters that I hadn't explored on the live action TV show so it was really interesting to kind of like you know uh, delve into what I knew already about that relationship from the comics that I'd read and kind of you know read a little bit more and then, and then kind of get to play that out on, on the screen. We get to see
0: a little more. I mean, Swamp Thing and John obviously have this great history and yeah, stuff.
8: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, all the different relationships he has ah, with them yes.
0: are, are very precarious in their own
8: their own ways and kind of just exploring those and seeing, you know, ultimately, like it comes down to the script, you know. It's like, what story do these guys want, want want to tell? How do we tell that in the best way and and be true to that story and then the characters' DNAs and their relationships within that and try and fill it out, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was really, really good. Finding to kind of explore those things. much. Which mm-hmm. other character does Constantine spend the most time playing with? Like Batman? Or? Um, well, it's actually like uh, Z- Z- Zatanna. Well, it's Zatanna, Batman, uh, Deadman, and uh, the Demon. And the D de- and well, Jason Blood. and Jason Blood, yeah, and Jason Blood, yeah. Richie's in it as well, which is great. And Jeremy, who played Richie on the show, did the voice. Oh, awesome. And when I watched it, I knew he did it, but I watched it like two days ago, and I was like,
5: Oh, <laughs> oh my <fuck."> <laughs> 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 so cool. like,
8: Jeremy, I love that <laughs> You know what I mean? And just seeing, like, you know, hearing us kind of like, you know, do banter. No, that was one person in my head when I knew that he was doing it in the in the booth. Yeah. That I do you know what I mean? The I difference. already had yeah. a line a line of reference to. Um, but yeah, he's he's great, on That's what.
4: there's a consistent visual palette between the live <laughs> version and animation, and do you feel like it's? I mean, it's a very darker season. What you're seeing. Do you are seeing, I think it visually represents what you see the character uh, dealing
8: with. Um, I mean, you know, I you know, it's an animation, isn't it? It's like you know, yeah. uh, I think that. I have so many different versions of him in my head, in terms of the way that he looks or the way that the worlds are. You know, there's so many people have drawn him and written him over the years, and I think I only got to I I got to read about 160 of the Hellblazer comics. I think, yeah, Yeah, there's 300 of them. them. So I didn't feel I didn't feel I did my job, to be honest with you. (laughs) 500, That's good for me. Yeah, but I was like, you know, I wanted to try, but what I had to do is I had to keep on. I had to stop reading them before I went to bed. Yeah, because I'd be working. (laughs) All day in this world, and then I'd come home, and then I'd like you know, read it and then go to bed. And then it's just it was too much of that world, I needed to kind of be able to detach at some point. So I stopped, I did, I stopped reading them before I went to bed. And uh, and then when we kind of got suspended in the uh, you know, and and, and not picked up for the back nine, I kind of said, I'm not going to read anymore because otherwise, I'll read loads. And if we don't get picked up, i will be really disappointed. But like, there's so many different people who have drawn him, and 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 the, the way that they look, and it's funny. See, you know this version. I really, I, I love, it. I love this version of the the way that they've drawn him and the world in which they've drawn him and the uh and and I've watched a bunch of those of the animations that the DC guys have done and I love that and I love that world for what it what it is, you know. Yeah. the mm-hmm. Character
4: really seems like a key component of this story, uh, but it's definitely known for burning bridges. Uh-huh. Um, we're gonna be seeing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, how does he manage to work this with this ensemble team?
8: Well, that's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? That dynamic. I mean, look, I think that John ultimately is someone who wants wants to do whatever it takes for the greater good. But you know, he might just you know kill you or, or have you get you killed in the in the, in the meantime. Uh, what's interesting is he has to he has to um, ex, he has to explore or call upon people who he has who has done things to in the past. That's the interesting dynamic then when he comes across these characters and. And, you know, He's uh, some of it. Some of it's quite. He can be quite cold, man. Which I, which I really liked actually in this version because I don't think we we really saw a lot of that in the TV show. I think we were we were getting there to see how actually oh, cold yeah. and, and he could be. But I think that there's a few moments in this where you go like, oh wow, that guy's you know, he's a real bastard. You know? And I love that that side of him really. You know when you see that he he actually
0: can be a real fucking bastard. Especially yeah. you said a Prepping everything, yeah, yeah. When you're doing your voice by yourself Mm. and have to kind of imagine the other side of the conversation, Mm. how much after you saw the finished product match what was in your head when you were talking to these various characters?
8: Oh, a lot of it, man. Yeah, it's it's funny, and I think that's down to to Jay and the guys as well. You know, when they're trying to like, they'll they'll kind of like give you a bit of the world and say, all right, at this point, she's gonna be like in this kind of place and this is you know, in this kind of place emotionally, and then you kind of and then you see it and you're like oh yeah it's like we're, it's like we're all in the same room cool. it's like you know I only met Jason today oh that's crazy yeah and I'm like we work really well together man <laughs> 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 it's like we actually you know it, it comes across that's as great. It, and, and and that's great and I think that's down to the direction of the of the guys to be honest with you, you sure. know? and like kind of making sure that we're all at the same pitch tonally in terms of what we're doing and all that and it that really is a, a great skill and it's, it's such a fun medium man it is really that's a fun great. medium yeah I'd like to do more how
4: does it feel to be like the quintessential Constantine now, like, you're the go-to. Like you were, you're you the had template. a show, wow. save Constantine, you get to be an arrow, and now you know they're bringing you on to be the voice of Constantine
8: in Justice I mean, man, it's like I, I feel like you know when I when I when I when I got the role, it's such an iconic character, you know, and and it was really hard to kind of like. I mean, I had so much support from, from David Goyer and Daniel Serone and everyone around me and Warner Brothers and NBC. It was great, actually. And, uh, and the director, Neil Marshall, who directed the pilot, just kind of gave me that confidence to kind of go like, no, you are this fucking guy, you know? Go for it. And, right, and like, but there's still a lot of pressure. There's so many, right. you know, avid fans out there that you, you kind of, like you want to do good right by them but at the same time you've got to try and be true to yourself and otherwise you can fuck yourself up with that do you know what I mean so I just feel like really kind of like lucky man to have kind of like to have done the, to have done the show in the first place and then to have got to do Monaro and for the fans to have been so accepting of me playing him you know that, that's that's that been the, the, the best thing of, of the whole experience of you know getting involved with you know John Constantine in a way You know? and I feel like we were just we were only scratching the surface on the television show you know is it better, so many better to
4: watch you on the big screen with it, both animation and in the show?
8: It's what Is better saying?
4: to watch it on a bigger screen you would say, both the animation version and yeah.
8: um- yeah, yeah, sure. If you like big screens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, uh, all, that, the
4: dark, all the darkness that's going on.
8: So yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think I think it is. Uh, yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, I, I prefer to watch even a TV show on a bigger screen. I mean, I have a big projector in my house back home, back home in London. Yeah. Well, it's not a big projector. It's pretty small, but it makes a big picture. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. But it's but it's cool, man. And I like kind of like watch movies on that and stuff as well. You know, and uh, and TV shows and stuff. So yeah, can you talk about your
3: uh, experience recording for the film? And uh, did you have the, the opportunity to uh,
8: record in the booth with other actors? Yeah, I didn't know. It was just just me. Although I did I did pass. It was the lovely Rosario Dawson who, who plays uh, uh, Wonder Woman uh, in the movie for for a little bit. But um, no, but it was just it was just me in the booth by myself with the with the guys and uh, yeah, it was. It, it's really good fun. Actually, they were telling me that there's what there's this one. Uh, actor who likes to, when he's working on on stuff, he likes to get them to turn the lights off, and he takes most of his clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I'm gonna try that next time. <laughs> you know? or actually, I was like, I was like, I should have bought a trench coat. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, I was going out for as many cigarettes as possible because I smoke, anyway so, so, yeah. I guess you'd have to you have to
4: do a vape pen for animation.
8: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and the sounds and all that stuff. Huh? <laughs>
4: Do you find it hard to uh, can you can you actually go
8: down there and walk the floor without people uh, coming up to you? Yeah, well, I look pretty different to what I do constantly. Do you know what I mean, my oh, <laughs> man? <laughs> but um, and that's cool. But no, I, I we had a little walk through earlier on, and there were a few people kind of recognized me, and that's always lovely as well. You know, it's like this, yeah, it's great, man. I mean, the the, the fans have just been great on this show. The whole Save Constantine I mean, are still going now. It's oh, like yeah. it's crazy, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. fucking awesome, man. You know that makes you feel really good, and also as well, like you know, the show got cancelled after 13 episodes for whatever reasons but when you take on a role like that you know there's a lot of pressure and if a show gets cancelled after 13 episodes you're like oh shit was it me do you mean if you are playing Constantine in Constantine you're like ah oh, fuck you know and, and for the show to be cancelled and it kind of like and for the fans to you know have lo- loved what I did is is a great thing because you're like thank god I fucking did it some justice and, and didn't you know uh, it, it wasn't cancelled because I was
0: shite <laughs> Which was a possibility <laughs> were you surprised at the level of sophistication in animation now yeah 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 definitely it's unbelievable yeah and it's actually
8: you know i don't know uh, what what this is going to be rated but it's it's dark man you know it's like it's yeah it's great and i've i've started to get into i've started to get into that to the whole comic book world and everything uh, a lot more since since i since i've done constantine and you know, like uh, would you be wanting to do more animation? I'd, work? D- I'd love to, yeah. Cool. And I'd like to do like lots of other voices as well, because because sure. I, I I went to drama. I, I basically trained for six years, and then I spent three years with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh wow! And like so, you know, uh, when we when we were when we were recording, there were a few moments when I was like, oh, l- let me do the demon. I can do the demon as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, I'd like to do all that stuff as well because it's just really fun. You know. Great. Yeah. So I'd like to do that shit. Sure. Awesome. Did cool. you
2: really meet Jason today? Yeah. Okay, just describe.
8: Seriously, up. seriously, really we, yeah, we met today. Yeah. That's he cool. He flew in. He got here this morning, I think, or oh, yeah, I think he yeah. got here this morning. It was like, hey man, it's like, hey, you're Batman. It's like, hey.
5: We're
8: friends. Yeah. But, like, but it's yeah. cool. He's Irish and I'm Welsh, and it's yeah. like, you know, so we're Celt, so we, you know, we get on. But yeah, it's the first first time we met. Any
4: chance of coming back to uh, the Berlanti universe? <laughs>
8: I don't know, man. I mean, I, you know, I've been, I've been busy. I've been, I've not heard anything from, from any of my, my, uh, my agents or anything like that. But you know, I'm, I'd be up for exploring the character in, in, in you know, whatever medium because I, there's so much to draw on, man. You know, there's so much kind of, there's so much meat to him, yeah. and, uh, and I think you know we only just scratched the surface with what we did. Uh, you know, for, for NBC, and um, and yeah, there's yeah, it's, and it's always a fun place to go back to. And he's the type of character as well, you can drop him in anywhere. And I think you'd be, able, you know, you, you know, you like, can you imagine him meeting the Joker and him just being like, you right to the Joker? And the Joker's like, can you imagine that? Chill, I mean, what would happen? It's like, yeah.
4: well, the next logical step is you appearing in a video game because now you oh, get right. every, every
0: yeah. uh, facet of media. Yeah. Tell them that. <laughs> you got to pitch James the Joker idea. That's a great yeah. idea. Man. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Well, Cost- so they James. they asked me. They said who would you most like to see him interact with? And I was like, oh, yeah. the Joker. Because yeah. what's interesting is they're fundamentally different in the fact yeah. that like John is for ultimately for the greater good, yeah. but he will sacrifice people and he is an absolute bastard. So they have similarities, but the Joker's you know. Yeah. But how would John deal with the Joker? And and Howard, I think that I think the Joker would like John. Oh, yeah. I think the Joker would like John and be like, "Come on, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. little bit of you that's good. Fuck that. Yeah, Don't yeah. get rid of that. <laughs> Come on <away>. me." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Be <laughs> fun. Be fun. <laughs> All right, I need to give him a break before the panel good. starts. Thank guys, you. my pleasure.
6: Very cool. Have a great one, guys. You, you nice. too. Nice.
0: Okay, moving on, uh, it's uh, time to uh, look at the uh, three interviews or listen to the three interviews that I did for Batman Return of the Cape Crusader. Uh, that DVD is out, and Blu-ray came out on October 10th. And uh, you got to understand, when we do these press junkets, the same frustration happened for The Killing Joke. Uh, it happens before we get to see the movie. So it really is hard to ask good questions when you haven't seen the movie yet um certainly we could talk enough about you know the style and working with the cast as we do uh but uh, like i said it 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 does make it a little weird so there's that and also um the uh the sound is not as good with rick morales it's fine you'll you'll be able to hear him fine but uh, uh in this case rick and james were on opposite sides of the table than uh, the justice league dark guys so i wasn't as close uh, my my recording instrument was there. Also, uh, there were a couple of reporters that just decided to start having conversations while uh, some of these uh, people were talking, which I found incredibly rude and showed the, their kind of lack of professionalism, frankly. But anyway, what are you going to do? I'm shrugging. Uh, but first up, Rick Morales, the director, who also has been an animator on uh, a lot of other past DC animation projects. So uh, he has good perspective. And uh, he starts us off with our return of the Cape Crusader talk here's Rick Morales on word balloon
2: talk about that but I, I can tell you that um, we had these producer meetings at Warner Brothers Animation and uh, I, I do a, a couple different shows and I remember sitting in there and they were talking about this and uh, this was a couple years ago now and uh, James is you know talking about how they were going to get Adam West and I'm just sitting there going oh my god like someone else is going to get to direct this thing like I want to direct this thing like I want to be involved in it and uh, it just didn't seem like that was possible and then as it moved further along they, they, they gave me a call and they were like hey James wants you to do it and I was like thank god <laughs> You yeah. know, it's just it's there's any of these um, you know, DC direct video things that that I wanted to be involved in it was definitely this one. You know, Adam West was such a big uh, influence. That show, especially when I was a kid, uh, really uh, made me love Batman and Robin, and uh, kind of, in, in a lot of ways, got me into comic books. And, uh, and coming up, a fan for as long as I've been.
3: What was one of the more important aspects of the? What were some of the important aspects of this show that
2: you that you really wanted to capture, or that era of Batman comics that you really wanted to capture? Uh, you know, in my mind, it was kind of the the fun, like the lightness, the humor, um, like just the big, broad things that you could do uh, with this that you wouldn't necessarily, you know. Went normally tie Batman and Robin to a giant TV dinner tray, <laughs> but here it completely makes sense. Um, that's the fun, like scale stuff that you can do. You know, the kind of Dick, Dick Sprang type of stuff. you know, Bringing these giant, crazy death traps and uh, just these larger than life scenarios, and you know, kind of um, not have to logic it out so much. You know, how would this thing actually work? You know. Cares. It's, <laughs> you know? yeah. So your cast has been playing these roles since before you were born. Um, Who
3: the hell do you think you are?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, you're telling me. I, I, I felt the same way. Obviously, I mean, it's it's Adam West and Burt Ward and, and Julie Newmar, and it, you know, I gotta tell you, like, I don't. I've done a lot of these voice records and things like that, and uh, you work with a lot of great actors. And stuff like that, but I don't, I don't normally geek out. You, know? you try to keep it professional, even though you might be geeking out. Adam West was the only one that that I've asked for a picture with afterwards, because I'm like, it's Adam West, I got to do it. You know, <laughs> um, it, it, it was it was a great honor to be able to work with you know, these, I mean, like you said, 50 years. Doing, um, there's not a whole lot you really have to tell them. He is bad, you know, so, um, and, and also, uh, the three of them are, uh, they're about the nicest people that you could ever work with, uh, just really, really gracious, and, uh, and, uh, they, they, they read the script, they actually read the script before they came in the um, or at least they did a very good acting job of making us believe they had, um. And, uh, and they seemed enthusiastic about it. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of good energy in there.
4: What do you think the medium of animation brings to Batman 66 6 that you didn't get from the live-action TV show or the comics? Um,
2: you know, just the ability to, to do much um, larger set pieces, you know? Um, we can send them to space, we can show them you know, walking on the space tower, we can, you know, we can put them in these bigger situations that, you know, you wouldn't be able to build a set that, uh, you know, that was that large or, or, or maybe do some of the action that we conceive in this. So it, it allows you to, uh, uh, you know, broaden the scope of what you
7: can do. Yeah,
2: definitely.
3: Did you look back at any of the previous
2: incarnations of this era of Batman in preparing for this piece? Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, we were obviously with Adam West, you know, and it's very er er era-specific, you know, the 60s, but that show was drawn from the comic books, we were also drawn from the comic books. I think when you guys, when you watch this, you'll see, uh, you know, the title sequence that was done, and that's really um, an homage to uh, a lot of the great comic book moments throughout the years of Batman's history. Specifically, um, I wasn't looking at any one particular storyline of the era, but, you know, uh, just looking at um, a lot of the great artwork, you know, uh, from that time that uh, I already mentioned. Well, that's even older, but Dick Sprang and and Jerry Robinson that goes into the very early history of Batman. but yeah, we, we
0: were we were taken definitely from those comics of the, the 60s and even earlier than that. Would you say then that, like, the architecture and the vehicles and stuff are kind of timeless and aren't really an era-specific, you know, it's sort of in the same way that the animated series almost was an amalgam of several different decades?
2: Well, I, no, I, not necessarily. It is very, it is, you know... When you look at the design of like the Batcave, or, you know obviously we're using the Batmobile, that's because. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the, the the way that the computers are designed, things like that. They feel very much of that '60s era, what you may have seen in a, like a James Bond film or something back then. You know, lots of little light up nodes and punch cards and (laughs) signs on everything you know it's very it's very error specific as far as the design goes in an
3: era of internet rage was there any hesitation about being concerned about ruining somebody's
2: childhood (laughs) (laughs) uh You know what? Like, as a creator, I I just I can't bring myself to be concerned about that because if I am, then it limits what I'm gonna how I'm gonna approach something. I mean, on everything that I do, I I try to make it the best that I can, based on you know what we have on the script, the producers wants, what I feel is. if, if you start taking all that stuff into account, like, I mean, everybody hates everything. <laughs> I mean, there are going to be people that absolutely despise this movie, hopefully more that love it. It's the way the world is, you know? Yep. What do you think is going to surprise fans of the 66 Batman about this project, you know, more than anything else? Um, well, if they've never been exposed to the Adam West show, I think it's a completely different take than what they've seen in recent years you know um, that may be good or bad depending on their their feeling of how batman should be but in my view uh there's been many incarnations of batman and some more successful than others but he lends himself to nearly any situation uh, tucker did Raven the bold which was a great show I, I i did storyboards on it um back in the day and uh you know I remember there was a lot of hate for that before it came out and you know people really rejected it just straight off the bat you know without giving it a chance but then I think once it aired people realized like well you know this is really there's a lot of love that went into this and a lot of respect for the character they weren't, you know, we weren't just making you know silly Batman it was, it's rooted in the comic books and you know, the old Adam West show and things like that. And you know, I think people learn to really like it by the time it's, it's over. So um, I, I just feel like, surprise, surprisingly, it's I think it's it's funny. You know, I think there's some good like humor for fanboys, <laughs> um, of which you know I consider myself to be one. I remember reading the script, and you know, there's my particular favorite line: "Dig." At the end, um, it, it just cracked me up. Hopefully, when you guys see it, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about you know, when it involves Paris. Um, uh, but yeah, anyhow, um, I think I think just the nature of it to, to anybody that hasn't been exposed to it, it should be you know, surprising. To me. So, are there Bat fans? You mentioned people
3: that have never been exposed to it. Before. Do you think this is going to propel some new Bat fans to go and check out uh,
2: the old series on DVD or Netflix? I hope so because it's friggin' great, and they should all watch it. You know, um, uh, you know, I, I've done, I've done, um, I've done Batman in many forms at this at this point in my career, um, and the the stuff that I've done recently is funny. It's like it's all in the '60s, but um, <laughs> uh, we did you know the Lego the Lego Batman and the Lego Justice League stuff and. I think that was a great hopping on point for, for kids, and, and I think this one has that potential as well. To uh, because it, it really is, I think it's family friendly. You know, there's not a lot of uh, gore or violence, or I mean, there's violence, but <laughs> you know, it's it's within within reason, um, and I, I, I think I think you know I would feel completely comfortable
0: showing my kids this movie. Comparing the Lego stuff to this, I mean, the Lego stuff really does have a frenetic speed to it. Yes. And I would think this, because it's more dialogue-driven, is that fair? I mean, well, actually, they both are. So compare the two in terms of the the pacing of of the films. Well, um, it's a great question. The
2: the Justice League... The Lego Justice League stuff is, like super rapid fire. Yeah, I mean when we <laughs> when we edit those things, you should see the the timeline in our editorials. Like there are <laughs> there are virtually no gaps between that dialogue. It just runs, and runs, and runs. This actually plays a lot slower, you know, um, uh, and it's not the same sort of humor. It's more camp, you know, and it, and and that's a difficult. Thing. It's a more difficult thing than you would think to create that. It's like what is camp? What you know? But. Um, um, that stuff is a lot more slapstick, Looney Tunes. We do physical gags and things like that. And um, I think, I think this is 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 much less than that. It's it's you know these characters take their situations seriously. You know, uh, when when they're tied to you know when they're tied to a TV dinner tray and they're heading to the giant oven, you know they've got a real sense that this could be the end. There are stakes there. You know. Um, but it's a ridiculous, completely ridiculous situation, yeah, so I think that's where the humor breaks up. You know.
3: Did you borrow any of the visual language from the 60s series, or did you decide to leave that out?
2: Um, I think, I think, watch the movie, you'll see. <laughs> no, uh, you know, you can't get away from that, but also in, in a less specific way, um, um. Just that kind of trying to get that 60s era of filmmaking. So like Dutch angles, yeah. Of course. <laughs> How could you not? You know. Yeah. So lots of Dutch angles.
3: If you guys were lucky enough to be able to expand the universe in a sequel or some sort of follow-up, do you have any ideas of where you'd want that to go? Um, yes. You know,
2: what 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 are some that you can share with us? Um. I, you guys should go to our panel tonight okay. Yeah, I don't know how much I, 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 I can or want to say about that yet but there are definitely ideas strong uh, solidified ideas
3: do you have any particular villains from the 60 series that you didn't get to use that you would love to play with uh
2: <laughs> no? Well, see, if I answer that, right. I'm going to give it away. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, I know that's the point. So I'm not going to answer that. Okay. First Rick, you're done here. Okay. Thanks, Thanks so much, Thanks so Thank much, you guys. So much. <laughs> Appreciate it.
0: So you'll hear um, both the crew and Adam West having to be coy about any plans for sequels. But then uh, they had the uh, full panel. And at the panel, they revealed that, yes, there is a sequel already in the works. Uh, everyone is signed on to do it. And in addition to that, William Shatner has been announced that uh, he will be playing Two-Face. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool uh, seeing the Adam West Batman facing the William Shatner Two-Face. The mind boggles. So uh, that's filling in some of the blanks if you didn't already hear the news. Let's move on now to another conversation with James Tucker. Slight word of warning. Um, there was some sort of interference happening with one of the other devices and you'll get a little bit of a static uh, click. Uh, during a couple of James's uh, inter- uh, answers, it's not that you won't be able to understand James. It's just you'll hear just a slight bit of interference, slightly annoying, but I think you can handle it. So uh, let's move on to James Tucker talking about the return of the Cape Crusaders on Word Balloon. James off the Bat. Difference between Brave and Bold in this project? Very
7: little. <laughs> uh, Adam West is doing Batman. Um, uh, <clears throat> brave and the Bold, Batman was always the straight guy, meaning he could we could plop him into any world, any tone. Some of the episodes are really serious, some of them are very surreal and over the top. Um, Adam West Batman he, he is kind of as crazy as the world he's in so you have to honor that you have to make sure he is getting the right kind of dialogue that's true to Batman but also has a twist has some humor to it um, uh, but basically we you know they're the same world basically they're, just slight, they're parallel dimensions slightly off out of phase but they're very similar Can you tell us about the origins of this project? Uh, The origins, I'm assuming the DVDs of the series did well, and so they decided, you know, hey, Adam West is out there, let's do something with him new, and um, so they came to me and asked me if I wanted to do it, of course I said yes, and uh, we met with him and made sure he was into it, and he was. And then we just started at it, you know? I mean, it was happening pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> did you look at any of the Batman 66 digital comics that were coming out? The comics, um, I looked at them. I was more looking at the original comics that spawned the show. Sure. So the Silver Age stuff, the all the same things we looked at when we did Brave and the Bold were, basically the same things we looked at for this. Um, the 66 comic, I didn't read as much because once I knew I was doing it, they were already making choices I was going to have to make, and I did not want to stumble upon the same choices. Um, you know, there's, and so because they did, you know, the book was a certain, had its own Reason for being, and this had its own reason being. So I didn't want to be, I didn't want to mimic the comic of a, of a series. So there's probably places where they do overlap just because we're sourcing the same thing. But, yeah. Was there anything new that working on this project taught you about Batman in general? Boy, hmm. That's a good question. New about Batman in general. Not so much about Batman in general, but just about the Adam West Batman and what it means to people and and how he views it is not as a joke. He's Every Batman actor I've ever sat in a room with takes it very seriously, no matter what kind of Batman they're doing. Diedrich Bader, he doesn't think it's a joke. You know, Kevin Conroy, of course, doesn't. Um, uh, Jason Omar, who's the Batman on my other movies. It's, a, it's something they bring. They feel it's their duty to do it correctly. They, they, they take it more seriously than any any fan would imagine. They really do. And so, to find that Adam West, even though he underplays the comedic side of it, he knows the character inside and out. He knows the whole backstory. It's not like he's not aware that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed in that alley. He, he's very aware of the source material. And so that was kind of enlightening. It was like, I kind of felt he would, but to hear it from his own mouth was like, wow, this dude knows his stuff too. And of course he should, but, you know, I guess that was
3: an enlightening thing. Did the idea of Adam returning to the party for so many years give you any
7: pause when this project started? Pause? No. <laughs> Are you kidding? I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be great if it had happened even earlier, like, you know the time um, no i you know I love working with him on other things I mean like he, I cast him as Thomas Wayne in Brave and the Bold and then I cast him as the robot Batman built that sounds like his dead father so so you say I'm a Adam West fan so um, so now it was a no-brainer I mean you gotta you gotta use him I mean he's he's he is that Batman how about Bert and Julie Uh, Bert and Julia are amazing. They're totally... They know their characters inside and out. Bert Ward in particular, I mean, well, you'll hear. He, there's... If you close your eyes, it will be like you were watching in 1966. I mean... He's great, and uh, you know, again, they take their job very serious. They know what these characters mean to the fans, and um, you know, you we had to come correct. We had, if we had written a script that was not worthy of what they thought, they wouldn't have done it. They they were very particular, and then you know, luckily, when they read it, they felt they gave it the approval. They they said this feels like this feels authentic to us, and they were happy about it. So that made us feel good. What's your take on, like, balancing the, the newer fans that you're going to get with the with those original fans from, you know, the original Adam West Batman? Um, I mean, I hope there's enough new stuff in it to, to at least engage people who weren't familiar and give it a shot. And I hope it's, there's enough homages to the original that they can feel it, it has credibility. Um... To me it feels like it straddled both lines but you know you never know I think kids of a certain vent might like it I mean you know I mean I don't think every kid is wired to like a grim and dark thing if that were the case Teen Titans Go wouldn't be a huge hit so I mean you know it's like if they can like that I have a feeling they'll be okay with this so you know it has an irreverent tone to it as well um It'll be interesting, because again, if you're not familiar with the series, if you're not familiar with those comics, then I, it'd be interesting to be in a kid's head to see what <laughs> are they, how do they perceive this. I'll find out. I'm going to sit with a real audience on Monday <laughs> and see if they come streaming out of the you know, <laughs> they're like, get me the hell out of here, I'll know what happened. Anyway. What's what, be- no, be- what kind of
3: story can you tell with this interpretation of Batman and his? you couldn't
7: tell with other versions of Batman. Well, I mean, with Adam West, Batman, I would love to, like, do what we did with Brave and the Bold, just put that Batman in all kinds of situations. Because, I mean, again, the the series was limited by, it was television, they had a limited budget, limited time. But I think, I mean, that, to me, when we did Brave and the Bold, it was like, well, what if Adam West, Batman? was on the moon what if he was in underwater what you know what i mean it was it was built around that conceit of what if this version of batman were able to do all these things and go to these different places and i'm like yeah that batman would 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 be fit in everywhere you know it's not like like i remember we were doing justice league and the first time we had batman in outer space fans freaked. they were like oh batman would never get in a spaceship and go anywhere then that became like every other episode on Justice (laughs) but the fan backlash to a realistic version of Batman doing those things they had a hard time accepting it at first and so with this Batman I don't think anyone would question so it gives you liberty to tell all kinds of different stories so um, I don't know I'd love to do more Considering you're
3: approaching a show that you know, or an era that has such a huge fan base and a very passionate fan base, what's gonna be your reaction the first time somebody complains
7: to you that you ruined their childhood? You know, to me that's a badge of honor because that means <laughs> I, I did something that was different than what they were used to seeing hundreds of times, you know, mainlined into their veins from birth. I'm like, okay, we can't just replicate that. But I, I think I don't think that'll be the case with this. I think it it honors and homages what they knew, gives it a spin, makes it fresh for not only the people who watched, but the people who made it. I mean, Adam West appreciated that it wasn't just a retread that it had its own reason for being, so, I don't know, but now, I, hey, I worked on Brave and the Bold, people constantly, I read that a lot at first, and then, you know,
0: two years later, they were loving it, so, whatever. Talk about, you know, you just mentioned that this is going to play on big screens. Mm-hmm. Talk about that experience of seeing your work as opposed to on television or, you know, DVR or DVD, seeing it on that big screen. I know you just. Well, I won't know it. until Monday. Cause... Well, as far as this movie, but, oh. you know, in terms of Killing Joke or just the experience itself, and, I, and obviously it will be different because you know, it's yeah. a different tone. Well,
7: but... like, I haven't had the experience yet. That's oh, you didn't, see Killing, you didn't see Killing not see the I saw it with, with the Comic-Con audience, but For that's sure. not the same as seeing it with a regular I hear you. But from what I hear, regular people did not have the same issues they <laughs> just went oh okay and then that was fine so sure. I don't know I'll like I said I'm going to watch it tonight with everyone here sure. and then uh, watch it on Monday and see if there's any difference I don't know I look forward to it I mean even just so for the Fathom events you have to go back and remix and re just the color sure so I had to go to the actual Warner Brothers lot where they do the real big movies and sit in this this auditorium that was about as big as this space and watch the movie on a huge screen I was by myself though, so there's no audience the engineer was laughing a little bit so maybe that was (laughs) but just seeing it that large I went oh my gosh this is you know that was overwhelming so um, I can imagine going to a real theater with a, a live audience who actually paid and It'll be interesting. I'll let you know. Is there a different color palette and, and that kind of difference you know, the for this is, film? In the general? way we do it for DVD and is, is based on, you know, you're watching a TV, the image is being projected out, the movie is being projected on, unless it's digital, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, but I was there's a difference. They have to change the color subtly Sure.
0: But I mean, even this film compared to your other animated superhero Oh, the color films, palette? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this is much more colorful. I mean,
7: we... We definitely um, wanted to feel to feel realistic, but theatrical. So there's very saturated color. There's color style similar to the show, similar to comic books of that time. Um, Theatrically, like, there's a spotlight on people, like like they're being lit purposefully, whereas our other movies are more naturalistic. You know, you, you basically paint them to fit into the background, whereas this is more the, the characters pop off the background more. And so, slight differences, more of a, like, a stylized theatricality as opposed to realistic depiction. Um, so, yeah, was, there was a science to it. I mean, we definitely didn't just put it through our usual process. With such a
4: colorful rogues gallery, was it hard to narrow down who you wanted to use? Or you, did you always know
7: these are the people I Um, Oh, okay. Um, we kind of were on the page with, you know, you wanted to use the heavy hitters for this one. And if there spawns another one, we would probably dig deeper. Um, but for this one, there's definitely homages to other villains in it, as you'll see. And, um, know, those are the, I mean, because of the show, Joker, Riddler, Penguin, and Catwoman are very well known. Like Riddler wasn't, he was, hadn't been in comics for almost 20 years before the TV show. I mean, the reason we love Riddler now is because of that TV show. Uh, He had been a forgotten villain up until then. So, um, so we have, you know, those were the four we had to use that I think everyone would know who didn't weren't familiar with anything prior to this. So No, it wasn't a hard decision to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But going forward if there's more, we'll definitely be digging deeper. Like the like the 66 comic book did so so you think you're seeing or C King Tut. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but I would be James. Thank you. Thank, Thank you as so well. Man.
0: Okay, the good news is whatever little staticky nonsense was happening with uh, James Tucker didn't happen with Adam West. Got a great, clean conversation. Again, he sat right next to me, and uh, I think you'll be able to hear right away when he turns to me and says, you didn't think it was a comedy, did you? Uh, that He's talking to me, so that's kind of neat. Uh, here's Adam West talking about the return of the Cape Crusader and a whole lot more on Word Balloon. Howdy, folks. How's it going? How are you? Good. How are you? you getting tired of this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) We wait for you. You've energized us. Oh, good. Absolutely. Good.
9: Got to do that.
3: So, why do you think after 50 years, uh, why do you think after 50 years, your version of Batman still resonates with people?
9: I'm so damn good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think because uh, you know we played it for the whole family spectrum. You know, so the kids would. enjoy the excitement and whatever and uh, the adults would laugh because it was a comedy and um, you know when we delivered uh, those homilies and the little ethical lessons like good dental hygiene even <laughs> and, you know the, the adults thought that's pretty good that our kids are listening to that and uh, the, you know the kids took it seriously you did, did. Absolutely,
0: yeah. <laughs> High drama.
9: And action, absolutely.
3: <laughs> okay. what, was it like getting, sorry, what was it like getting back into the headspace of Batman again?
9: Repeat, there was a noise. Sorry,
3: what was it like getting back into the headspace again? Was it a challenge to get back into the character?
9: No, not really. You know, when you do something for maybe three years and you play that every day and and think about it and try to do little things, whatever you can do with the character uh, and to make it funny and yet really sincere for the children, um, you just pull on that cowl and you're right back there. Now, I didn't pull on the cowl because somebody stole it. But <laughs> all, all I had to do was go in and, you know, a little sense of memory there and, and uh, enthusiasm, and it comes back.
0: How did the whippersnappers do compared to Lorenzo Semple and uh, the guys that were writing for you back in the 60s? Oh, they were so good. God, like, uh, Lorenzo
9: had won the New York Film Critics Award. Um, He he was a remarkable writer, and I was privileged to have him writing, you know, for us. He and I became great friends. Really? Yeah. Cool. And, um, you know, today's writing, it doesn't differ so much, because the writers with whom I work, at least with the Batman stuff, They've been very good. Like, did you interview one of the writers? Yes, yeah. yeah, Everybody. Yeah, he's he's terrific. And you know, for them to have well what they did, I think, you know I'm a I'm a senior superhero, (laughs) but they grew up with me. So they had a pretty good sense of what they wanted, you know, with within the the dimensions of their memories. And it worked. So, I got a hand it to it, you know. Uh, maybe what I did was indelible.
3: <laughs> what are the differences between playing Batman with your voice versus playing him on screen?
9: The difference might be that with the voice only and with the audience, they were really seeking mostly that is, the kids, it was more straight ahead, and less nuance, less tongue-in-cheek, you know, that kind of thing that you could do on film with your your movement or whatever you're thinking, even through the eye holes in the cowl, (laughs) but when you're doing, you know, voice over like this, um, it was just... Dead ahead, and you know, right on, and serious kind of. Um, and then I had a few moments where I could, you know, throw in a little something here and there.
0: You know, through your inspiration and the original interpretation of the character, you go back. I'm sure you were a fan of old radio. It was not old radio in your time. Were there were there old radio heroes that you modeled your Batman after? No.
9: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, cool. that's a good question because um, you know I still on on Sirius, you know, on the, Absolutely. what do you call it, satellite radio, yeah, satellite radio. I listened to some of those old shows again because they were so good allowing you to use your imagination. And I learned always from that a little more. Yeah. And you know when you think of Orson Wells and Joseph Cotton, that Mercury Theater, whatever it was, wow, that was so good. Uh, I started in radio. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. In college, doing dramas. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And then I was in this jockey and a lot of stuff. A news guy and, and uh, you know I think many actors that I've talked to or learned about they really did radio. Except the younger ones. They mostly they don't. They do. You not know. They don't have the same opportunities of, you know, getting a job and working your way through it up. Yeah. Too many people go to Hollywood and are disenchanted. You know, they're, they're, they find it so tough. And it is. It's so terribly competitive now. Because look at all the windows we have all the outlets for content. I don't know how people keep track of that. I'll watch TV and tune around until my wife says, Stop it! You know? <laughs> but I'll tune around, and, and I'm amazed at all the different content and, and the way it's delivered. Nothing seems really special anymore. The Walking Dead. Maybe that's special. Scares <laughs> the hell out of me. Uh, I don't know, but there, it, it, it just seemed to be so many shows from which to choose. You know, you hardly know what to watch. Are you into any specific shows right now yourself? Any Say it again.
3: Are you into any specific shows right now yourself? Are you, do you
2: watch anything or look forward to anything well, you that's know, going on? Right funny. Now?
9: Last night, um, I turned on the television. And, and And I saw something that intrigued me. Uh, No, I'm sorry, it was on the airplane. Uh, They had pilots. And this was called the Billionaire Billion... Billions of the Billionaire or something. And I saw that pilot, and I thought, God almighty, this is good. But you know, it didn't sell, it didn't go. Oh, wow. And do you know anything about that? The, Not that show billions or the billionaire. Oh, you talking oh, about billions? Yeah.
0: Is that
3: yes. the show type show? Yeah, with um Paul Chiamati. That's right. Yeah. Yes, it was about the financial
0: right. investigator. Yeah, that's that made it, right. it yeah, that made yeah, it to it, a series. It had it had a full, had a full yeah. season. Yeah, it's gone. It did? Yeah, and I think it's doing well. Yeah, I think it will oh, be back. good. Sure? That yeah. was
9: really good. There you go. And the yeah. redheaded headed guy, the young actor who played the big time hedge fund guy. Yes, yeah, I forget his name. Yeah. Oh that's right. Yes. What's his name?
3: Damien is it Damien.
9: Damien Lewis? Yeah, yeah something like that. Those, I'll cool. buy that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was good. Okay. So, you see, you'd make discoveries like that, but... it went four
0: seasons? No, is the first season, first season but, yeah. it, but it's going yeah.
9: it, to... I think it got picked up got it, picked it is up. coming back. Yeah. That's good. Because not many shows get picked up. Yeah. Now, when I did the Big Bang Theory, you know, kind of stunt casting <laughs> thing. <laughs> What's that half like? You know, that kind <laughs> of thing. It was fun and kind of funny, but... To get a show picked up every season for how many years, 12 years or something? Mm-hmm. Nine or ten, mm-hmm. no, at least, yeah, ten. Ten. yeah. Ten. 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 Our family guys, I've done it for 12 years mm-hmm. Yeah. as <laughs> <That's> the mayor. <laughs> the loony mayor, <laughs> which is kind of fun. But some shows do hit a stride and they get picked up. So many don't. No. Such a waste of money and talent. <laughs> yeah. I would say, um, we're in an interesting
3: moment in Batman history. There's at least six different actors currently playing Batman, you're one of them. But you're also the original, um, at least for, for most fans. Do you have any advice that you would give any other Batman running around? <laughs> What's essential <laughs> to the character? What do you think that's all get together another for another one.
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of them running around. Um, let the costume work for you on the screen. And, um, you know, you can be violent, you can be downtrodden, vengeful, whatever you're doing with the character, but uh, don't take yourself too seriously, you know.
0: What about the chemistry between yourself, Bert, and Julie, coming back to that? What was, what was that? Was it easy? I mean, actually, did you guys, were you able to tailor it together or did you do it all separately? Separately. Oh, okay. But in your mind? Yeah, it was easy.
9: <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they when you know their action, you know what they're going to do with it. And you played the character for a long time. It, it came back instantly. All I had to do was listen for a moment. In my head or whatever they were showing for the animation. Yeah. And this was... Uh, Kind of neat, too, because you can work uh, from the animation, lip-sync. And uh, many times, uh, you know, they'll photograph you in a role, like the mayor and family guy, and then they'll have that film to, you know, look at and base the animation on, which is a different thing. But this time out with Batman, you know, you just looked at the animation and lip synced it. You know, tried to do the rhythms. uh, It wasn't tough. (laughs) Did you have an urge to like try something different,
3: or? Yes.
9: (laughs) Yes. At this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really would. Uh, Well, I think all actors do. I'd love, uh, you know, uh, I look all the time for material that that might be challenging or fun, fun funny, and and, uh, something. might work for an old cotcher, uh, which just seems irredeemably
4: awful. Would <laughs> you want to do another of
9: these? oh trick question. You're leading me into the thing that I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> no, they told us you could say it, so
5: it's all good.
3: Yeah, go yeah. for it, man. Well,
9: if, you're, if you're there tonight, you're going to find out. We'll made it made me so nervous.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have a gag order. <laughs> One of the other things that at the original.
5: Thank all, right. all right,
3: all right, it's all good. Thank you, thanks, Mr. West.
0: Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on the <laughs> I'm telling you, man, a dream come true talking to uh, Adam West on uh, today's Word Balloon. It was just really thrilling, and I hope you enjoyed it. I think Return of the Cape Crusaders. I've since seen it. Uh, It lived up to expectations, and I can't wait for the sequel. Uh, I hope that they make it sooner than later. We'll see how long it takes for the animation. But it sounds like uh, maybe uh, they've already, uh, you know, well, they've cast everybody. So I hope they've got everybody rushing to a booth and uh, voicing their part uh, to make the second film. Uh, Man, William Shatner as Two-Face, I think it's going to be incredible. So uh, looking forward to that uh, fine production when it comes. In the meantime, thanks a lot for listening to today's Word Balloon. It was brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. Tremendous deals happening. Check out the website for yourself for uh, great books at great prices, you will not believe. InStockTrades.com. And, of course, Word Balloon brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, if you would like to help the cause and uh, subscribe to Word Balloon via Patreon, go to wordballoon.com. Click on that Patreon ad. It will take you to my Patreon site, and uh, all the details are there. But thank you very much for your help, League of Word Balloon listeners. John is saying thanks a lot for listening to today's Word Balloon. And every week when you hear Word Balloon, uh, more great stuff coming up for October right into November. Really interesting conversations. First-timers and return guests. It's, uh, it's been an avalanche ever since San Diego, and the hits are just – they just keep coming. What can I say? I'm in a very fortunate position and happy to share these great conversations with you.